Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson, your host from Lightning Insider. Com. Glad you have decided to once again listen and download and hopefully subscribe to this website. I was just given some numbers tonight, and uh, boy, they are way, way, way beyond expectations on what we've done with uh, this little project here. Uh, but I hope you guys are enjoying it uh, based on the numbers you are and based on the feedback that I have received. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for uh, tuning in and listening and um, thinking I have something good to say. I hope I have something good to say. Uh, certainly lots of good stuff to say about Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. Tampa Bay pulls away with a 5-2 victory. They now have a 2-1 to series lead in the Best of 7 series. Game 4 will come Friday. It's coming fast. Game 4 comes Friday. Game 5 comes on Saturday. So, very rare situation we have coming up with back-to-back games. Uh, But that'll be the case. Uh, I can't remember, certainly ever, there being back-to-back games in the Stanley Cup Final. But, of course, this is anything but an ordinary year uh, and ordinary circumstances by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Don't forget we've got the trivia question for you that I'll give you a little bit later on. In the show, uh, courtesy of Smack Apparel, you can win a free T-shirt by answering the trivia question that I have out there. It's the same one that I did have on the other day. Uh, you know, I want to give an opportunity for some more people to maybe listen and get involved in the contest. But uh, we will certainly draw a winner before we get to the next podcast uh, on um, after Game 4 on Friday. So we will have another trivia question for you uh, as then, uh, but listen for it a little bit later on in the show. Uh, All right, what we need to digest from this game, uh, we're going to talk a little Steven Stamkos. We're going to talk a little Victor Hedman, and we're going to talk about um, the second period that Tampa Bay had tonight and where that stacks up. So those are kind of the three topics that I have on my mind, of course, We will get to your questions as well uh, a little bit later on in the show here. Uh, If you ever have any questions, by all means, find me on Twitter. That is the easiest way to find me, Eric underscore Erlinson. It is E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. That's where you can uh, send those questions and use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter so that I can find them. So uh, certainly lots of questions again tonight. Uh, last show went a little, little bit longer than we've uh, used to. I think it's the longest one that I have produced 
uh, but it was because of all the great questions, and I know there's some more here tonight, so we'll see what we can do uh, to get to them. Um, all right, let's start right off the bat with number 91, the captain. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about it here in the last number of days, a lot of speculation surrounding his status and uh, whether he was going to be able to return to play or not, whether he should return to play or not, and lo and behold, there he was taking place in warm-up, and it was interesting to kind of watch the day develop, you know, with all the speculation that had been kind of circling around and whether or not he was going to play or not. And, you know, you try and look for clues, you try and look for little things that might tip one way or the other, and the league has been sending out these videos of morning skates. They're only available to the media. I, I had somebody ask me um, one of my direct messages this morning whether that video was available um, it's, it's being made available to the media. I don't know if any other media are putting it out there. I, you know, you can see clips of it for sure in different media outlets, uh, but it is only available through the media's website. And they sent about two minutes of video from the morning skate today. And we didn't see Steven Stamkos in any of the shots. Now there's selective shots. They pick and choose what they want to send to you. Uh, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. And that's why sometimes you have to take these videos for what they're worth, but there was no visible evidence that he was actually on the ice this morning. It, it appeared that what they sent out was from an optional skate, which is not atypical on a game day. I don't know. I, I don't even know if the team practiced yesterday or not. Typically, if they practice uh, one day, they won't take a morning skate or they'll do a, an optional morning skate or vice versa sometimes, depending on the circumstances of the situation. But uh, especially when you're this deep into a postseason, uh, even this postseason, you know, it's it's not atypical to have an optional skate, especially when you consider the back-to-backs that are coming up and trying to conserve as much energy as you can. Uh, but again, there was no visible evidence of him today on the ice. And then, you know, the first clue that I kind of sent out earlier in the day is that there was a shot during this video of the extras, the supposed extras, the scratches for the game. And they included Carter Verhage. Mitchell Stevens, Alex Volkov, and Matthew Joseph, who figured were going to be the scratches. Now, we saw the same type of scenario the other day after a morning skate, and Steven Stamkos was part of that group. He wasn't when the video, the, the part of that video was shown this morning. So that kind of gave an indication that there was a good chance he was going to play. But again, nothing was confirmed. Of course, you didn't get anything out of John Cooper after the morning skate. But I can't say it was a, a major shock or a surprise to see him take part in warm-up. And, you know, we've seen players take warm-up through this playoffs and not participate in the game. So there's that aspect of it, too. But, you know, when you saw him come out, the fact that he led the team out as the captain, uh, he took part in regular line rushes, and they did dress an extra defenseman for warm-ups. Zach Bogosian was out there. So, you know, playing a little cat-and-mouse game, you know, trying to throw the other team off a little bit, if you will, uh, whether he was going to play or not. Uh, but, of course, once once he took warm-up, you, you had a pretty good idea that he was going to take place uh, or was going to take his, his a spot in the lineup for the game, and sure enough, he did. And, of course, leave it to Steven Stamkos to have an impact on the game, and there's some interesting numbers provided here with him coming back. Um, first game since February 25th, so it's a span of 211 days. 
It's his first playoff game in 526 days, going all the way back to Game 4 last year against the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's an incredible amount of time gap in those, especially the 211 days between games. Uh, not very often players would do that. And then a jump into a Stanley Cup final, uh, very, very interesting uh, decision to kind of put him out there, but we knew it was going to happen. You know, I've I've been saying it, and you know, I've certainly been on my fair share of radio interviews and you know talking to Ron and Ian on ninety five point three, like I do on Wednesdays, uh, talking about it. That I, he was going to make an appearance at some point in this playoffs. You didn't know how effective he was going to be. You didn't know how much he was going to be able to play. You didn't know what kind of role he was going to play. But he was going to play at some point in this series, and it happened to be tonight. Now, he only played two minutes and 47 seconds. He only took five shifts in the game. But it was a very, as John Cooper called it, efficient two and a half, just under three minutes, uh, as he did score the second goal of the game tonight. Uh, Nikita Kucherov had the opening goal scored on a breakaway after a turnover from Miro Heiskin and, and uh, a turnover that was forced, by the way. Andre Palat does not get an assist on the play, but it was forced by Andre Palat because uh, he put the pressure on Heiskanen, and he's the one who coughed up the puck and, and gave Stamkos a, um, a breakaway chance, or uh, Kucherov a breakaway chance, and he went in and buried it. So uh, that gave Tampa Bay the one nothing lead. But it was uh, a little over a minute after that goal, a uh, minute 35, 25 to be exact, that Victor Hedman from right at his own blue line puts a pass right on the tape of Steven Stamkos in stride. He's able to, Stamkos is able to avoid a hip check from Essa Lindell and come in open down the right wing boards. And Anton Hudobin comes, as he does, came way off his crease. He, he overplayed the short side and it opened up the far side. And, you know, for, for mere mortals, that might have been a hard place to hit, especially as a right wing, uh, right-handed shot on that right-handed wing. It's, it's kind of fi- hard to find that top corner, and that's probably going through Anton Hudobin's head. But he, he overplayed it too much, and he opened up that top corner. And, and sure enough, a sniper like Steven Stamkos was able to pick it and uh, put it right under the bar. Uh, ends up going in the goal, and boy, what a moment! What a moment that was! Uh, it, it it gave me some chills uh, watching it. Uh, I can't imagine what it must have felt like for him, for his teammates. We saw the emotional eruption on the bench and what it meant for them uh, and how they reacted to it. Uh, but I can't imagine what Steven Stanko must have been going through for to go through this bubble situation and 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 basically be a a background guy, you know, cheering him on and maybe giving tips here or there what he might see to come into a Stanley Cup final game, an important one. It's a pretty important swing game and make an impact, an immediate impact. It was just his third shift of the game. Uh, it, it's, it, it was just a, an unbelievable moment. I, I can't imagine what Twitter must have been like uh, trending-wise in the Tampa Bay area. I, I didn't look at what was trending, but the, I would have to think that he was right up there with the uh, the number one trending topics uh, in in the area and uh, another stat from the NHL here is the only the second NHL player and the first in over 80 years to skate his first game of the postseason in a Stanley Cup final and score a goal the only other player that did it you've never heard of him trust me you've never heard of him Billy Taylor senior 
in Game 2 of the 1940 Stanley Cup Final. It was a, uh, for Toronto, it was a one nothing win, or he had one goal against the New York Rangers. Uh, think about that. It's only the second time it's ever happened. Now that the league does note that uh, before the NHL took control of the Stanley Cup, that it, it did happen uh, a, a couple of other times for the 1920 Ottawa Senators, so 100 years ago, um, that, that, that it happened for, uh, for the Ottawa Senators. But, I mean, just the moment must have been incredible. Now, the sad part is, or, or I'm going to call it the sad part, uh, the disappointing part is that he couldn't finish the game. You could see on his last shift, he was struggling to skate a little bit. He certainly had plenty of conversations with the training staff, um, but he couldn't return the game. So he stayed on the bench. He missed his last two shifts in the first period, was not on the bench to start the third, returned about seven and a half minutes into the second period, but didn't play. And we've seen him do this before. We saw him do this earlier this year, a game in Chicago, where he was unable to finish the game, but he stayed on the bench. And even, you know, the fact that he couldn't play, it, I know it had to have meant a ton to him. I know it had to have meant a, much, uh, a lot to his teammates just to have him there. You know, it's one thing to have him back in the locker room when they come off the ice and, you know, the fist pumps or whatever else, you know, they do when they come off the ice. But to have him there suited up, it, it had to have meant a, just a ton to this team to have. It was an inspirational moment. Uh, I don't know if that's what inspired the Lightning to go on and win this game, but um, it was a big moment of the game, and it's going to go down. It, it's going to go down, and he was so close to having a game-winning goal uh, in this one, if not for a garbage goal that Dallas scored in the third period, it, it would have been the game-winning goal. Uh, but it was uh, a very inspirational moment, even for just the short period of time that he did uh, make an appearance on the ice. But it was nice to see him have an opportunity. And no matter what happens for the the rest of this series, Steven Stamkos can say, no matter what, that he was able to finally get in the lineup and make a contribution to a win, and hopefully, hopefully it leads to a bigger win that he can, you know, be a part of, and, and this team can be a part of. A little bit down the road, uh, for sure, but um, uh, very, very cool moment uh, for for Steven Stamkos. All right, Victor Hedman. Um, how how Victor Hedman has not won more than one Norris Trophy? Uh, kind of boggles my mind a little bit uh, with so many eyes on this NHL tournament. Um, you see so much of how good Victor Hedman is. I mean, he is just an absolute beast. You know, he's putting up numbers, offensive numbers that we don't see defensemen do. He scored his 10th goal to playoffs tonight. Only two other players in NHL history, two other defensemen in NHL history, have scored more goals in a playoff season. Paul Coffey holds the record with 12. And Brian Leach, the year the Rangers won the Stanley Cup in 1994, had 11. And Victor Hedman tonight scored his 10th. And you just watch the way, like, the numbers, those kind of numbers will stand out at you, right? Because he had a goal, he had two assists, he reaches double digits in goals. You know, a lot of defensemen don't even come close to reaching double digits in a season, let alone in a playoff year. And and he's done that. So those numbers are definitely going to pop out at you. They're definitely going to be something that makes you notice him. But you should notice everything else about his game. 
just you know the the play he made on the Gurionov, Dennis Gurionov potential breakaway in the first period where he sizes everything up and he assesses what he has to do. And of course he can eat up so much ice because of that long stride and the skating ability. So he's able to understand that he's not going to be able to make an impact on Gurionov's right. So he switches to the other side and is able to get his stick around and and hold the stick. He tied up the stick in a perfectly legal play. Didn't get anything anywhere up near the hands. And just the strength on his stick was able to disrupt that play. You know, those are the type of plays that stand out too. They're not going to show up on a stat sheet. They don't. Sh- they don't show show up in the scoreboard. But it's those type of little plays. The pass he made to Steven Stamkos to set up that goal again, diagonal tape to tape, right in stride. And those two have played together for eleven years. They understand each other very very well. But tape to tape sends him in to get an assist on that goal. And then in the second period, a very dominant second period, the pass he makes up the ice to spring a three-on-one. He's able to to muscle, basically, the puck up to Nikita Kucherov to create a three-on-one. Again, where does he make that pass from? His own blue line. He's right back near his own blue line. He catches Dallas in a line change. And they're able to capitalize. And it ends up being, you know, a the fourth goal in a, in a 5-1 win. But it's those type of plays. And and then the minutes that he eats and and the role that he's able to play, uh, you know, again, again tonight, he only played, like, this is actually a low number for him in the postseason. He only played 22 minutes. That's a product of the score. You're not going to put him out there as much as you normally would. We've seen him play 30 minutes in regulation. He, he did that at least once in a series against the Islanders and in a non-overtime game. You know, so he can really eat up a lot of minutes, and he does it so efficiently. Um, you know, and, and, and so in 21 minutes and 29 seconds of ice time, goal, two assists, three points, four shots on goal. Uh, he wasn't credited with a hit. He's one of the few players in this game that wasn't credited with a hit. You know, he didn't even get a blocked shot. And so that's, that's like a low-impact night for Victor Hedman. But just you just have to marvel at the way that he can see the game, the way that he can play the game, the way that he can impact the game. And that's why if if Tampa Bay is able to go on and pick up two more wins here, I, I don't I think he's gonna be I don't want to say necessarily runaway, but it's gonna be a pretty wide gap, I think, in the voting for the con Smythe. I think he's gonna come out on top. Uh, just because of all those things I just talked about, uh, and his five-on-five play, I, I think I think I read this somewhere, uh, and I and I apologize if I'm not totally accurate on it, but he has scored himself more even-strength goals in this playoffs than is beyond. He's been on the ice against. So, in other words, he Victor Hedman, the individual, and think about how much ice time he plays, has scored more goals than the opposition has while he's on the ice. Like, that's five-on-five play. So the opposition, I think, has only scored four goals against him when he's on the ice at five-on-five play. And I think his goal total for even strength is somewhere seven or eight in that range. He had the power play goal tonight. Uh, He had the power play goal against Boston on that five-minute major they had in game four. Um, So and that just kind of tells you exactly what he means to this team. And to think back... You know, go all the way back to round robin game number three 
and seeing him go down and not even knowing if he was going to be able to start the playoffs. Um, you know, you look at players and your goalie is always the most important. But if you're going to talk about the most important skater on this team, it's it's 77. And, you know, you saw a big chunk of the reason why tonight because of how he can just control and impact the game from start to finish. He's just a marvel to watch. I, Jay Retcher on the, on the post-game show that we did after the game tonight, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's building up that Hall of Fame resume right now. And again, I to, to think that he's only won one uh, Norris Trophy to point. He's been nominated for four straight, and that's an accomplishment and a feat in and of itself. But he's only won it once, and he's finished third the other three times, including this year. I think that's going to change after watching him play this year. People are going to have an, uh, the voters are going to have a much different understanding of how he plays the game uh, night in and night out. And, you know, that's part of the problem. You don't watch Tampa Bay night in and night out. You don't get a feel for exactly um, how the team uh, plays and, and the impact that he has. And relishing it, relishing it because he's a, he's, dare I say, a generational defenseman. I don't want to put him in Nick Lidstrom's class, but he's getting close. He's getting very close to that. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. At the second period for Tampa Bay tonight, interesting sometimes to look at stats and, and if they give a um, clear picture of things that go on in a game. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't because, you know, Tampa Bay has a 2 nothing lead on Dallas, you know, seven minutes into the game. Uh, then they have a power play, and you think that's a chance for them to go up. And then you look at it, you know, it's a 2-1 game after two periods or after the first period. Tampa Bay is holding lead, but Dallas really had a push. I mean, they had a strong push. They ended up with 16 shots on goal. In the first period, they had the shorthanded goal from Jason Dickinson after Tampa Bay got really sloppy with the puck, you know, like really sloppy, bad decisions, putting the puck in bad areas, uh, ended up costing them. So they looked like they were off to a flying start. And then the shot attempts in the period were 21-10 in favor of Dallas. You know, scoring chances were 14-6 in favor of Dallas. High danger chances 6-2 in favor of Dallas. I mean, they had a really strong first period despite trailing, and they probably felt pretty good about the way that they were playing. And then the second period came around. And the Lighting have done this a couple of times throughout the postseason, and I don't know if it's the long change. It's probably part of it because the the fourth goal that I referenced – uh, where Hedman found Kucherov up ice to on a three-on-one, and he feeds Braden Point, catches Dallas on a line change. Right, Dallas doesn't get the puck in deep enough, and Tampa Bay makes them pay for it. You know, so if it's the second period, if it's first period adjustments, whatever it happens to be, I mean, this was this was a dominant second period for Tampa Bay. The shots on goal were twenty-one to four. The shot attempts were twenty-seven to nine. The scoring chances were 12 to 5, and the high danger chances were 6 to 1. And this is the difference sometimes that t- what Tampa Bay can do to teams. Okay, we just mentioned like the high danger chances for Dallas in the first period were 6 to 2. And the only goal they got 
probably wasn't even on a on a high danger chance, and it was a shorthanded goal. Tampa Bay has a six to one advantage in the second period, and what do they do? They score three goals. I mean, that's that's what the Lightning can do for them, can do to teams. They are so talented. They are so good from top to bottom. They're top guys who really showed up tonight because your goal scorers were Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Braden Point, and Andre Palat. So the big guys really, really showed up tonight. And You know, you talk about depth scoring, and yeah, you want to have depth scoring, but if your top guys are going to have a night like tonight, especially have a period like they had in the second period tonight, you're, you're going to win a majority of your games. And that's what they did tonight. So you, you can look at the total of the game. The, the shot totals, shot attempts for the entire game were 45-43 for Tampa Bay. But that was because they were so dominant in the second period, 27-9. Outside of that, Dallas actually had a 34-18 advantage in shot attempts in the first and third periods combined. And the third period, you know, it's score effects. And, you know, not that Dallas dominated anything in that period, but, you know, they did have the puck a little bit more. They got a couple of cheap power plays. The cheap goal, which I mentioned cost Steven Stamkos a game-winning goal, and by the way, cost me the game-winning goal pool that I'm in. I actually had Stamkos. It's a blind draw. I actually had him, so he, he cost me some money. I'm no longer a fan of Miro Heiskanen uh, for a garbage goal like that to take away the game-winning goal from Steven Stamkos, but I digress. When you have the talent that Tampa Bay has and you have a period like they did in the second period and dominate, odds are you're going to cash in a couple of those opportunities, and that's what they can do. So now you build up the 5-1 lead, and then you can have a third period where you don't have to play Victor Hedman 10 minutes. You don't have to play Ryan McDonough 9 minutes. right? Like You can spread out the ice time. You can play to the score a little bit and just make sure you're responsible for defensively. Because, you know, again, just 21 total shot attempts in the third period. Dallas only had four shots on goal. And in fact, they only had eight shots total over the final two periods. They get 16 in the first period. Only get eight the rest of the game. You know, there's a lot of talk about how Dallas has the depth and Dallas has, you know, the opportunities to come back. They've been stifled in, in most of these periods. They've had their pushes. They've had their surges. But at the end of the day, Tampa Bay has really done a good job of suppressing the opportunities, and, and they, don't, they don't do it like the New York Islanders suppress. They don't do it like the Columbus Blue Jackets suppress. They have the puck, and they work it in the other end. That's how they suppress shot attempts and shot totals. And that second period was as good as I've seen them play in this postseason, at least for that long of a stretch. I mean, the Palat goal, I mean, the puck must have been in Dallas's end for a total of 45, 50 seconds. I mean, just cycling to death and puck retrieval and, you know, keeping the puck in at the blue line and making Dallas chase the whole time. Dallas was gassed by the end of that shift. And Andre Plot ends up making a play. And it's again, it's, it's a puck up high. Kucherov makes a nice play to get it to Kevin Shattenkirk. Kevin Shattenkirk gets it on goal. Creates a little bit of chaos. Braden Point finds a rebound. Pops out to Andre Palat. Boom, it's a 5-1 game with a minute five left to go in the third period. And it's game over at that point. So that's what the Lightning can do to you. That's, that's how they can make teams f- frustrated. You know, 
talked some about Nikita Kucherov getting frustrated and, you know, what we kind of see go on in some of these games with individual players. But that is exactly how Tampa Bay can frustrate teams. And that's why they have a 2-1 series lead here in this Stanley Cup final and now sit two games shy, two more wins shy of capturing a Stanley Cup title. How's that sound? A little shaky? A little shaky? Feeling okay about that? I will caution you, though. 2015, the Lightning were up 2-1 in Chicago. Series isn't over. In 2004, Calgary was up 2-1 on Tampa Bay. So 2-1 series lead historically tells you, I think it's 72% of the times that teams who have a 2-1 lead after a series is tied 1-1 go on to win the series. Uh, The last four times uh, the team that's lost Game 3 has gone on to win the series. That includes last year against uh, St. Louis and Boston. Boston had a 2-1 lead in that series. And the Blackhawks in 15, the Blackhawks in 2010, and the Lightning in 2004. So, let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right, let's going to get to your questions, uh, but we want to get the trivia question out there first before we do. Remember, the best way to send me your uh, answers is through Twitter. If you direct message me, my DMs are open. Again, that's Eric underscore Orlinson, E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L. E-N-D-S-S-O-N. That is the best way to get me the answers. You can also email me as well. That's eric at lightninginsider.com. E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com. So those are the best ways to get me the answer. And here's the question. All right, we all know Ruslan Fedotenko's two goals in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final 2004. Obviously, he's a legend in this town for what he was able to do in that game, both goals and a 2-1 victory in Game 7. That's not the trivia question. Here's the trivia question. I want to know, which team did Tampa Bay acquire Ruslan Fedotenko from via trade, and how many playoff goals did he have in 2004? So which team was Ruslan Fedotenko acquired from and how many playoff goals did he have in 2004? You know the two. How many other goals did he have in that playoff season as Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup? So send me the answer. Again, my DMs are open. You can email me. We're going to go into a blind drawing for a free shirt courtesy of Smack Apparel. Of course, Smack Apparel is a local Tampa-owned business um, they do have these nice, really nice blue, I want to party like it's 2004 shirts. I'm sure you've seen plenty of them around. My son actually has one, a soccer-related one that says, Keep Calm and Beat Manchester United. Sorry, Jay Retcher. That's for Smack Apparel shirt. Uh, so you've seen them around. You can go to smackapparel.com, and you can look at their inventory, and I'm going to give you a code, too, if you want to purchase any of their uh, other inventory. If you use the code, 2020 BOGO, 2020BOGO, so 2020 BOGO, you can get a buy one, get one free offer courtesy of Smack Apparel for those who listen to us here on the Lightning Insider podcast. Uh, So again, that's smackapparel.com, and the code is 
BOGO, and then, of course, don't forget the trivia question for a free T-shirt. Uh, Joyce won the free the first T-shirt. Matthew won the second T-shirt. Uh, Matthew, I have sent their address. I don't know if you've received it yet. I haven't received confirmation that they actually sent it yet, so I'm going to have to check in with them again. But uh, the shirt uh, is coming. They do have your information, so we'll make sure we get that out to you. Uh, but sorry, guys, you two are not eligible uh, for this shirt, so we're going to open it up to some others. So uh, I've had a, a biggest response to this yet, but I want to make sure that everybody else has an opportunity here with this question to get in to the the uh, the giveaway. All right, uh, we're going to get into questions here. Uh, from you guys, and I'm going to scroll down to the bottom of this list because, as always, you guys have some really, really, really good questions. And we'll start with... (laughs) Boy, I went deep. went deep tonight, guys. I should have had this ready, but it's gone deeper... Then I would have thought. Um, we'll start with there was one that came in uh, after I recorded the podcast after game two, where uh, the handle is Mr. Clute. How many more chances is Shattenkirk going to get? Huh. This is obviously in reference to the Yonmark goal where he got caught in between. He didn't tie up the man, he didn't take away the passing lane. And Dallas scored their second goal to make it a 3-2 game. Look, you don't quit on veteran players because they make a mistake. You don't give up on them. And, you know, remember, Kevin Shattenkirk scored a goal in that game. He actually ended up with a game-winning goal in that game. Players make mistakes. Was Was that one that stood out? Absolutely, because it led to a goal. And he admitted to it. He says he has to be better there. He understands he has to be better there. You know, but Kevin Shattenkirk throughout his career... He's never made a name for himself for his play on the defensive end. Right? He's he's made a name for himself at the other end. He's an offensive defenseman. You want him to be better and stronger. Uh, and he has been this year. He has been. He, it was a rough start for him. It was a rough start defensively for him. And you're thinking, oh, boy. What did the Lightning get into here? It was a low-risk move coming off the buyout from the Rangers. But you're asking, you know, what do they get into defensively with him? We know the offensive numbers, but but you don't like you don't bench a player. Like who are you going to put in? Who's better than him? Who are you going to bench? That's going to give you a better option than Kevin Shattenkirk. So yeah, I know it stands out and it looks ugly at times, and it did, but it didn't cost them the game. And you're not going to bench a a veteran player like that because he makes a mistake. I mean, think, think back to game four and the Islanders series, right? Blake Coleman made a mistake. It was his play too high in the zone that allowed Brock Nelson to go around him and score the opening goal. And what did John Cooper do? Get right back out there, boys. Go back out. Don't, you know, you, you're not going to, you know, this isn't, 1950s, 1960s hockey, 1970s hockey, where the minute you make a mistake, you're plastered on the bench. No, trust your players. And more times than not, they're going to come through for you. Uh, and, and the Blake Coleman situation is, is perfect about it. Uh, from Matt, uh, with how Gord has played this regular season and not scoring like he did last year, do you think his performance in the postseason is worth the cap hit? Uh, love the podcast and your perspective. Thank you, Matt. Um, I hate 
or I don't like the idea of trying to tie players' performances to their salary or their cap hit. Uh, I know a lot of people do. I've had this debate more than a few times with Greg Lamelli. Um, you know, you want more production, but I'll tell you this. I've seen this throughout my career in covering the NHL, that when players get that first quote-unquote big contract, and this is the first big contract for Yanni Gord, and you know, if you're not familiar with this path, he had a couple of stints in the ECHL, and he played for the San Francisco Bulls of the ECHL. You know, he was kind of toiling around there for a little bit in the, in the San Jose organization. Uh, got some time in the AHL. Never got a crack at the NHL. Was re- it was cut loose in the middle of the season by San Jose, and he was scooped up by Tampa Bay. And they brought him in, and you know, they've kind of brought him along in his career. So he's he's gone the hard route to get to this first quote unquote big money contract. And, and you know, it is it's it's five point something million dollars. I don't know it off the top of my head. And he's, but he, he overvalued, he outplayed his contract before, right? Like he was a 20 goal scorer and he was a 20 goal scorer last year and he signed the extension last year. And then he had the year he had this year and the players for, they put pressure on themselves to live up pro contract. And I think that's what happened to Yanni Gord. I think you're really seeing who Yanni Gord is in these playoffs. Uh, I still think he can score 20 goals, uh, but he has really, really found himself a good role on this team. Um, does that mean he matches his cap hit? <sighs> I, I mean, I, again, I don't like making that comparison too many times, trying to tie too much into exactly what um, what's going on there. So uh, I think he's a valuable player on this team. I think he's going to remain a valuable player on this team. I know we're all looking at where Tampa Bay can cut salary, uh, and it's that's coming at you fast. It's coming at you really fast because free agency opens on October the 9th. So you're a little over two weeks away from the start of free agency in NHL. So it's going to come at you fast, and then we're going to start talking about that. But I'm a big Yanni Gord fan. I love the way he plays the game. Uh, I felt for him this year, and I've had, had conversations with him this year when he's going through that scoring drought, and it bothered him. I can tell you it absolutely bothered him. He always he always has a smile on his face, and there were a couple of times I was waiting for him to come in so I could talk to him and interview him sometimes for you know the power play, um, the, the station power play that I was on, and he was frustrated. It was very, very noticeable. Um, so I, I think that uh, you know I, I, I cheer for Yanni Gordon. Um, and I think he's going to have a role on this team next year. I don't think he's going to be in that category uh, of having to move players, but we'll see. That's a Julian Breezeball decision, not an Eric Erlinson decision. Uh, from Mike, and we get a couple of interviews through Mike, so I'll go through them. Uh, Taylor, two games in one period. Lightning became sloppy, had seven turnovers, and the Stars had two takeaways. Uh, yeah, Dallas pushed. Uh, Tampa didn't manage the puck very well on a 2 nothing comfortable looking lead turned into 2-1 real quick but we just talked about what happened in the second period from Chris uh, back-to-back ones here from Chris if Stamkos doesn't play again in the series was it worth playing him just to get that goal I say yes by the way uh yeah look I, I said it he he's a 400 goal scorer he's a Rocket Richard trophy winner he's capable of turning a game around uh he certainly had a huge impact on tonight's game with that goal if he was only going to play fourth line minutes and he started out on the fourth line with Cedric Paquette and Patrick Maroon, um, you know, if that's all he was going to do and get some power play time, you're okay with that. 
And if this ends up being his only appearance of this playoffs, and it kind of has that feel right now, it, it, there's no regrets. There's no regrets. He, he had an impact. He had a Stanley Cup final goal. Remember, he didn't have one in 2015. But for everything he's gone through with the injuries, again, if they come, if they finish this job, it, we're still a long way off there, so it's a big if they can finish off this job, then he can, he can proudly say that he was a part of this, no matter what happens. If his name gets on that cup, he can feel he had an impact on it, right? Instead of just being a guy that's on the sideline. You know, they had to watch it happen. So, yeah, I, I think it was absolutely worth it if that's the only appearance we're going to see from him. Um, also from Chris, do you think Vasilevsky looks shaky in this game? I know that came up because Eddie Olchek talked about it. Uh, look, he was off his angle. You know, he lost the puck on the Dickinson shorthanded goal. Um, there's no doubt about it. But to say he looks shaky, when I think of a shaky goaltender, you know, how are they handling rebounds? How are they tracking the puck? That's what I look for. I didn't see any of that from him tonight except for on that goal. You know, on the second goal they scored was just a fluky goal mouth scramble. The pounce puck bounced. Uh, so I don't worry too much about that. I don't, I, you can't sit here and say Andre Basilevsky's had a bad game in the playoffs. He looked shaky in the round robin. I will give you that. Think of the, the, the goals. He had problems kind of corralling the puck and everything like that. So he had some issues in the round robin, but he has not had any in the playoffs. You can't sit here and say that Andre Vasilevsky has led in too many bad goals in this playoffs. And he certainly hasn't had a bad game. He's only allowed more than three goals on two occasions. And, and again, tonight, he only allows two. You know, game one, game two, he only allowed two. So he's been pretty rock solid. Uh, from Also from Chris, still a long way to go, but do you think Kucherov has the best case for Conn Smythe at this point? I know Hedman and Point have arguments, but Kucherov really is a straw that stirs the drink for this team. He is. He does a lot of good things. A lot of the offense flows through him. But as I mentioned earlier with the um, the case for Victor Hedman, what he's doing as a defenseman is incredible. And I, and I think that that's going to stand out in the mind of voters. So to me, I think Victor Hedman is the, uh, the guy that you kind of look at uh, as probably the leader in the clubhouse, if you will. Uh, also here from uh, Mike, uh, watch points goal and three-on-one. Kucherov made a no-look pass to point, one of the best in total dominate, dominant periods that I have witnessed since the 33 shots on goal last year against Chicago. Uh, thanks for the shot stats at the end of each period. Um, from Mike, also, like you say, game makeup call on the penalty. Uh, good penalty kill, though. Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes officials officiate to the score. And look, like uh, I know the one on Mikhail Sergachev, that was a penalty. He tripped him. Uh, I don't, I didn't get the feel that it was an officiating to the score type of game tonight because the game got away pretty quickly. Um, but to the Lightning's credit, they killed him off. Uh, from David Sauer, it seems maybe Stamkos has a lower body injury. Broadcast talking about him testing the skating. Strange that all we can do is speculate. <laughs> welcome, welcome to finding injury information in the NHL. It is a closely guarded secret. You're better off, you know, doing a Danny Ocean and trying to break into a casino in Vegas than you're going to get getting injury information out of uh, NHL general managers or anything. I mean, they've, they've even put it now. They don't even have to classify what an injury is. They can simply say unfit to play because of the whole COVID situation. So, uh, 
based on the way he was skating, I, look, it could easily still be related to that core muscle surgery he had, right? And that could affect and look like it's, it affects his skating because you think of the, the muscles that you use in, the, in your core to skate, right? And my understanding is that this whole situation is because he's had some issues working through some stuff based on the surgery and the rehab. So, but that's all we can do is speculate. That's it. Uh, from Greg, is that second period the most dominant period the Lightning have had in the playoffs? I've watched every game and can't remember one more dominant. Uh, I, I off the top of my head, they've had some pretty because I you know I look at all those shot attempt numbers that they've had and they've had some ones you know there was well the third period and against Dallas I know different situation there. Um, you know, they had 43 shot attempts in that first period against or in the third period against Dallas in game one. Again, they're trying to, ch- they're chasing the game big time at that point. Uh, but they had Dallas back on their heels for a good portion of that period. There were some other periods where they've had 35 plus shot attempts. Um, but in terms of just the way they really put pressure on it and didn't give anything at the other end, I think you can make a case that that's probably the most dominant period they've had uh, in the playoffs. Uh, another one from Mike. Did Pavelski hate Gutro when they were at San Jose? Pavelski passed on joining the Lightning. It was a cheap shot for sure. Probably no suspension. No, you know, that's not a suspendable hit. It's probably a fine at best. Look, I, as I said in the last podcast, if the Jamie Ben elbow to the head of Nikita Kucherov, and again, I want to see a better look at it. I didn't get a good angle on what kind of contact he actually made, but it'll look like head contact. If that's not going to get the attention of NHL player safety, no way that one does. Uh, from Bob, uh, hard to find any issues with the game. Uh, starts seem to try and play a wide open, and that didn't work. Do you expect them to go more to the defensive game? Uh, Islander style in game four, when the Bolts skating hard to stop the rushes. Uh, I expect them to play the way that they have in the last two games. Right, you come out and and you try and and establish your forecheck. It's it's kind of the goal of every team, but that's what you want to do. You want to establish your forecheck and establish territorial play. You know, get in and, and create some offensive zone time. Uh, Dallas has struggled with that at times. And Dallas has had their push, and you know there were a couple of shifts that Tampa Bay struggled with. But Dallas is a good team. Um, you know, so no, I don't. I don't expect the Lightning to go into a New York style, New York Islanders style of play. That's not who they are. Can they defend? Yeah, they can defend, but they're not going into this five-man uh, impenetrable wall situation that the Islanders do. They're going to be who they are. They're going to make sure that their structure and their defensive end is is sound, and then they're going to get in on the forecheck. That's the type of game that I expect them to play um, going forward. It, it's worked in the last two games. Uh, every thing has to make adjustments for sure and Dallas will make their adjustments and it's up to Tampa Bay you know to kind of understand what Dallas might try and do in this game uh but I've liked the way that they played the boast ones uh from Brown Crow there's no way Vazzy doesn't play both games this weekend right correct remember they we had uh, back-to-backs in the Boston series games two and three were back-to-back and Vasilevsky played them both uh, just as I expect, most likely, I can't say this for 100% sure, but most likely I expect Anton Hudobin to play both of the games this weekend. Um, is there a possibility Ben Bishop can play? I, I saw one of the Dallas beat writers speculate on that, that uh, it's kind of setting up for 
Bishop to maybe play game four, but he hasn't played since he's only played a couple of games here since uh, the return to play has come around. Um, uh, so could he play? He could play. I don't expect him to. I expect Hudobin to get it, but we'll see. We'll see how Dallas feels about it because, as we know, this, this weekend is going to come at us very, very fast now with games uh, four and five Friday and Saturday. Uh, another one from Mike. Uh, interesting stat. Jan Ruda was the only player to plus three. He goes unnoticed, but he's steady. He he does. Um, it helps when you're playing with Victor Hedman, but discuss this before. If you look at his numbers, you know, you look at the 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 puck possession numbers, Ruda and Hedman were a good pair. And you compare that to everybody else that Hedman's played with, Ruda has the best numbers alongside him because he's not a flashy defenseman. He is a steady defenseman. He skates better than Zach Bogosian does, and I think that you saw that in game one, which is why the team made the change and made the switch because he can be a steady, uh, Rudy can be a very steady guy. He makes a pretty good first pass out of the zone. Um, you know, he looked shaky in game one, but he hadn't played in, a, you know, six weeks. Uh, looked better tonight. Um, doesn't get himself into trouble a lot. But he, it's steady is the best word for him. So, uh, yeah, Jan Ruda. Who knew? Uh, from Paul, why didn't the officials step in midway through the third and calm Dallas down when they started taking runs at lighting players on every shift? Directly read to Radulov hurt himself as well. I, I can't say I'm surprised that Dallas went to this. Um, you know, it, it, Dallas has certainly made it clear that they know they're not the more skilled team in this series, so they're going to try and punish Tampa Bay from a physical aspect. We've seen the, you know, sort of the how they've gone out of their way to try and injure or try and wear down Nikita Kucherov. You know, the Radulov hit tonight, he tried to really come in hard on Blake Coleman, and Coleman saw it at the last second, shrugged it off, and Radulov went hard into the walls. We just talked about the Pavelski cheap shot on Barkley Goodrow at the end of the game. Um, you know, that's, but sometimes that's what you, you try, and I hate it. I don't like it. Unfortunately, it's still a part of the game, and the officials don't do anything about it. You know, there's no ramifications when this happens, but you try and take a pound of flesh. And you feel that if you can take a pound of flesh, well, that means that you haven't leg up in the next game. And that's, it's an archaic way of thinking, but that's still the way some teams still think. Um, from Lightning FCB, do you think Victor Hebben is the most important player for the Lightning now? Also, I believe Kucherov is actually being underrated for the Con Smythe. I don't think he's the favorite, but he should be in the discussion, in my opinion. Yeah, you could make a honestly, you could make a case for four players for the Con Smythe from a Tampa Bay situation. I think Hebben is the leader in the clubhouse. I mentioned that. Uh, you could certainly make a strong case for Braden Point, some of the important goals that he scored, especially going back to that first series against Columbus with the five-overtime winner and then the overtime series clincher. Um, Kucherov, is, he's reached the 30-point mark in the playoffs. Now, that includes the round robin, so little asterisk next to it. But again, they won their first two series in five, so they only played 16 games coming into 16 out of a possible 21 coming into the Stanley Cup final. So, um, you know, there's other teams that have played, you know, that many games or more going into a Stanley Cup final. But he reached the 30-point mark uh, tonight. 
Um, and Andre Vasilevsky, you, you can make an argument, and probably in, in a lot of other years, Vasilevsky's name would be higher up in the conversation. But I, you can make an argument for any one of those four. But I think Kedman is probably the guy that's going to end up winning it, and that's not a knock on anything uh, Nikita Kucherov or anything uh, anybody else has done. Another one from Mike, I think the Stars are caught off guard by our physicality when the Stars thought they would uh, be dominating and running over the Lightning. Maybe. Um, you know, uh, it's certainly a much different team than, say, Rick Bonus was here coaching, right? Like, there was no Goodrow. There was no Blake Coleman. There was no Pat Maroon. You know, there wasn't that type of, uh, those type of players in the lineup when, when uh, Rick Bonus was here. So it's a little bit of a different look. And we talked about that, right? It's, it just gives Tampa Bay a different um, personality to their lines and their lineup. And that's the one thing that everybody's talked about is that if you wanted to try and be physical with them, you could, maybe more so than in years past. Uh, from Mark, hello from Barcelona. Uh, I thought Kevin Shattenkirk played a really great game today, keeping pucks alive nonstop and a great all-around defensive performance. What did you think? Yeah, look, he, he, this is, again, going back to the first question of this segment about how many chances does Kevin Shattenkirk get. Uh, he's a veteran guy. He, you know, he understands something that he did wrong in the previous game. It It didn't phase him. He understood it, and he went out and, re- and he responded to it. Like, even go back to game five against Columbus. Like, he knew he made a mistake on the fourth Columbus goal. He actually tried to cheat the zone. And they were down by a goal in the third period, but he tried to cheat the zone and get out a little bit quicker. Uh, ended up leaving space underneath. He stayed. He wasn't in the right spot. He was too far above the puck. He wasn't under the puck, and allowed Columbus to take a four-two lead. Well, what he do? He went down and scored a goal. He made up for it, right? Like that's, that's what veteran players do. I, I thought he had a really good game um, tonight. Uh, he has that in him. You know, he's never been in this situation before. He's never been to a Stanley Cup final. Right? Like, he understands this is why he came to this team. So, if he's going to make a mistake, you better be sure and understand that he's going to do what he can to make up for it. Uh, from Scott Stevens, great name. I've talked to, I've mentioned that to Scott before. Uh, we saw the impact Stamkos had on the team tonight. We also saw uh, how much they are trying to protect him. In your opinion, do we see Stamkos take another shift this postseason? I, I have the feeling we don't. Uh, just based on the way he was kind of talking after the game and kind of watching him uh, skate around at the end. But, you know, crazier things have happened. He could, you know, that could have been just something that he just has to kind of fight through uh, and maybe a day off will help. The back-to-backs don't help in this situation. Um, You know, so could we see maybe him sit out game four and play game five? That's a possibility. Uh, It's definitely a possibility. Uh, from Ryan Wells, uh, Stamkos came out swinging. Got to love the boost he gave the team. Uh, he will be back next game. If it were up to me, I would say keep him on the fourth line in the power play. NBC is loving the Dallas comeback. How do the Bulls capitalize on this win and try and close out the series? Um, well, don't have second halves of the first period like they did tonight. You know, don't let Dallas dominate the possession the way they did because they've got. They've got some skilled guys, not as many as Tampa Bay, but they've got some skilled guys um, that can put the puck in the back of the net. And if you're going to let them buzz around your zone, just as they did to Vegas, you know, Vegas had the puck more, uh, and Vegas probably had more dangerous scoring chances. 
But Dallas got in and they took advantage of their chances. They have the guys that can do it. So you have to make sure that you don't allow them to come in with speed. We talked about the presence of Miro Heiskanen. I hate that name, by the way, now because of the game-winning coal pool situation, but I digress. And Klingberg in particular, Essa Lindell, I think, is one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. All of those guys can get the puck up the ice. Don't let them come in transition. Don't let them use their speed. Dallas is faster than you think. Yeah, they're a, they're a big physical team, but they're faster than you think. Rupe Hintz is one of the fastest players in the league. Uh, just mentioned Heiskanen and Klingberg and the way they can get up the ice. Uh, Gurionov has some speed to him. Tyler Sagan has some speed to him. You know, so they got some guys who can really get up the ice. So don't allow them to utilize that speed. Uh, from Brown Crow, who's a good Dallas writer to follow during the series? Found Shapiro, but who's a local beat writer? Well, Shapiro is. He's he's the Dallas re, uh, beat writer for a paid web service that I will not mention. Uh, Matt DeFranks is another one. He covers the stars for the Dallas Morning News. And go find, uh, go find Matt DeFranks' story on trying to get into Canada. This is frightening. It's a very interesting uh, situation he had trying to get into Canada once Dallas beat Colorado in their second round and the mandatory 14-day quarantine that anybody coming across the border has to go to. Go read that story. Uh, fascinating, fascinating story to uh, what Matt DeFrank said. But he's, he's the Dallas Morning News. And then Mike Heike. Mike Heike actually works for the Dallas Stars now, but he was a longtime beat writer. For the Dallas Morning News, he actually covered the the Minnesota North Stars for the Dallas paper when they were going to move to Dallas. So he's a longtime veteran, good friend of mine, Mike Heike, uh, H-E-I-K-A, uh, is where you can find him. But he's a really good follow as well. Even though he does work for the team, he's a longtime newspaper writer. Uh, Paul, about... Um, Kevin Shattenkirk, yeah, I answered that one. Uh, from Bolt Reporter, how did Stamkos tweak his injury that early? Did he make a careless play, or was he simply not ready to return? I, I mean, without being able to talk to him, I don't know exactly what it is. But you know, when when you're when you're trying to push through something, you know, there's a difference between pushing yourself in practice and then getting into a game because the pace of the game is different. The what you have to the movement maybe has to be that much quicker. In a game, you can try and replicate it in practice. You're not. So my guess is that's all that is, is that it's just something that reacted to how he pushed himself maybe a little too far. Does that mean he wasn't ready? I don't think that's the case. He felt he was ready. Nobody knows his body better than him. He certainly had his fair share of experience with injuries. Uh, so my guess is um, that it, he, it just it's just something that happened because it was game speed instead of practice speed. Um, another one from Mike in the beginning of the third on the penalty by Palat. I thought Cooper was saying go away, meaning just turn and keep skating. Or was it no way? I don't know. I don't know what that one was. I didn't see. I, I know the penalty. Uh, I wasn't paying attention to what John Cooper was saying at that point. Um, Lightning have only given up four shots on goal in each of the third period of the last two games, playing great defense and protecting lead. Biggest difference with this team this year. Right, they're not forcing themselves. They're not pushing for the extra goal. They're understanding what it takes to not let in the next one. Uh, from Stephanie, uh, why do you think they put Stamkos in the lineup if he wasn't one hundred percent? Was it to give the team a mental boost and moving forward? Will they try and move up his minutes if he can't go? I assume they stay twelve and six, and Verhage gets back into the lineup. 
yeah, I think John Cooper made that pretty clear. I don't know if it was yesterday or this morning about why they went with 12 and 6 and why they'll probably stay with 12 and 6 in this series. Um, again, I, I have to think he was, he felt he was 100%. I don't think he's putting himself in there because John Cooper even said it after the game. They're not putting a player in the lineup if you know his minutes are going to be limited and he's only there for a specialized role. If the player's dressed, they're expected to be able to play. And he just wasn't. Um, We'll see what it means moving forward. My guess is he, if he does get back in the lineup, it's again going to be in a fourth line role, uh, where his minutes are limited. But his role, you know, he he's asked to go out and do what a you know the minutes that a fourth line player would do, and then maybe some power play time. Um, but again, he he was not put himself into anything um, that is going to endanger him uh, or the team uh, going forward. And I think that's the exact way that it's going to be. Uh, as we look towards uh, the rest of this series. From Kenny, has Dallas crossed the line from undisciplined and frustrated to dirty? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, I think the elbow from Ben to Kucherov was dirty. I, I saw an attempted slew foot by Ben on Kucherov I thought was dirty. Uh, the Pavelski hit uh, towards the end of the game on Goodrow was dirty. Uh, uh, Radulov trying to go after Blake Coleman and, and try and knock him out. It's That was the intent there. I hate to say, you know, judging intent, but that certainly had the look of the intent of a player who was frustrated and, and was would have crossed the line had Coleman not caught it. Uh, again, I don't like it. I hate, I don't like the attitude. I don't like that thought process, but unfortunately it's still a part of hockey. Uh, from Evgeny, uh, pretty sure most of the questions will be about Stamco, so I'm going to switch it up and just ask this. Does this series remind you of the one against Boston after a bad game one loss, they dominated the next four? Bad game one here, dominate the rest of the series. Long way to go. You're, you're only halfway to where you want to be. But I felt that after the first game of this series. And I asked the question of a couple of the guys when I was uh, fortunate enough to get in a question, if that remind, if that game reminded them at all of the game one against Boston, where they just came out tentative, you know, they came out tentative in that Boston game. I thought they came out tentative in the first game against Dallas, right at the ship in the third period, just as they did in the Boston game as well. And have been the better team in these last two games for sure. Although, you know, Dallas had that really good spurt, after they made it 2-1 especially and had some chances to tie the game. Uh, so that aspect is a little bit different. Uh, but so far, it has that feel. But again, we'll see how Dallas responds on Friday. Um, from Lord Stanley Feicham, do you think that the score had an impact, any impact on the decision to keep Stamkos on the bench even after he came back, especially in the third? Or would Coop have sent him out there if he was able to play even once it was 5-1? Um, I got the sense that he probably couldn't go out there. Uh, I think maybe he was waiting around for a potential power play. You know, it, it, it did remind me of the game in Chicago earlier this year where John Cooper even said that, is that they had thought about maybe putting him out in that game. He'd at least made himself available if a power play came up, but then he just kind of sat for too long, and it didn't make sense. So is that what kind of happened in this game? Is that kind of what happened as we made the way through the game? Did, did that factor in the decision? Again, we'll see tomorrow. We'll hopefully be able to get the ask to ask the questions uh, tomorrow uh, if there's any chance that he plays in the rest of the series. I don't know if we'll get the answer, but at least we'll be, have the chance to at least ask it. Uh, from Joe, um, following up on Kenny's question about uh, Dallas crossing the line, at what point should Bonus be embarrassed? I don't think he should be embarrassed. Um, 
again, it's it's an old school tactic. It's I don't agree with it, but it's still there. It's it's not an embarrassment. And what was embarrassing to me was Calgary in two thousand and four, where every time they lost a playoff game, they're starting fights at the end of the game. That's that what Calgary did that playoff year is a big reason now, you know, with the instigator rule, if a coach sends a player out to start a fight in the final whatever I think it's final five minutes of the game and gets an instigator penalty, there's a fine and a suspension. Because of stuff like that, Dallas hasn't crossed that line, but they've certainly kind of gone out of their way to try and you know target Tampa Bay's best players and try and take them out of the game. Uh, from Jordan, what gives you the most confidence at the Bolting uh, for the Lightning the rest of the way? The top line playing at such a high level, the five-on-five player, the structured way they play with a lead. Can I say all three? I'm going to say all three. Uh, you know, nobody has slowed down Point, Kucherov, and Palat yet in this playoffs. The only thing that slowed down that line is when Braden Point couldn't play in games three and five of the series against the Islanders. Uh, they, they're they the better five-on-five team. Dallas has actually had some pretty good five-on-five play in this series compared to the other ones that Tampa Bay has played. Uh, but the big difference with that is the power play is going now. Right? You got two power play goals last game. You got one again tonight. So now your power play is feeling a little bit good about itself too. Um, you know, but in the way that they protected, like I said, like in game two, even though Dallas cut it from a 3-1 lead to a 3-2 lead, Tampa Bay dominated that third period. Shots were 12-5, to and Dallas had a chance or two, and they're going to get them. But for the most part, they were really strong in that third period protecting lead. Uh, from Eric, uh, same questions from someone earlier. The second period, best, the Lightning have played all postseason. Um, they've had some really good ones. Uh, from ARNDTJC, have we seen the last of Stamkos or was his absent precautionary? I'll let you know tomorrow. How about that? Uh, I'll let you know for tomorrow to see uh, how he reacts and, and what happens uh, overnight and how his body reacts. Uh, from Wisconsin1280, uh, the Lightning had a lot more confidence tonight. How can they keep this stronger confidence going? There's a there could be a fine line between confidence and cocky, right? I think in 2015, when the Lightning were up two to one in that series against Chicago, I think they were cocky. Bishop was hurt. Ben Bishop did get injured. Remember, Andre Vasilevsky had to come in in Game Two in relief. He actually picked up the win in relief in that Game Two against Chicago, and then they went up. Two to one, they won game three in Chicago. Cedric Paquette had the game winner. Uh, and I think that they felt, that, okay, we're on our way. I think they got cocky. I don't think this team is going to get cocky. I think this team understands how they're asked to play, how they're expected to play, and how they have been playing. And they're not going to get overconfident. I think that's the difference. You, main, you don't think you have to get stronger confidence. I think you just maintain the confidence that you do have. Um, from Palatitude. Uh, my concerns about five-on-five five scoring have been alleviated. What can the team do to help the second line get better of the play? They got caved in badly at times tonight. Uh, we've talked about the struggles that line has had. I thought they looked pretty good in the first two games of this series. Uh, they had some chances, especially in the third period of game one, which, again, it was to the score. Uh, and... You know, again tonight they were out attempted nine to five, 
Uh, that's the line of Sorelli, Kalorn, and Johnson. Uh, the other lines, you know, uh, the Gord line had a 7-4 to four advantage, 5-on-5, five five, and the point line was at 13-3. to three. Um, You know, you would like to see that line contribute. You know, you would like to see, you know, a Kalorn step up. You would like to see a Johnson step up, um, you know, and make an impact. Sorelli's made an impact with some pretty key important goals. Uh, has Doesn't have a lot of them, but he's had some really key goals. Uh, from Greg, after winning four in a row, but then losing the last two, and with back-to-backs coming up, do you think Hudobin doesn't play both games four and five? Maybe Bishop plays game four. Uh, I'm sure we won't get that answer from Rick Bonus. Uh, I know it's been speculated tonight. I know one of the Dallas guys did mention that, that this was setting up for Bishop to play game four. Uh, I don't think you want to throw Jake Ottinger in there. He is a rookie. You know, made his. I think he made his NHL debut earlier in this playoffs. Um, I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but I thought I, I saw that somewhere. Uh, so either Hudobin's uh, playing both or Bishop's playing game four. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, uh, do you wonder at the age of 35, is Hudobin tired? Is he worn down a little bit? Uh, you know, I mean, look, Dallas, Dallas has to win game four, right? Yeah, they have to. If they fall down 3-1 with a game the next night, I don't know. I, I don't know how they, they win that. So <laughs> and that's why it's setting up for Bishop to potentially play game four, right? Because you're not starting Hudobin. Like if you start Hudobin in game four and you win, you kind of have to go back to him in game five, right? Do you want to do that? Do you want to put him in for a game five if he wins game four on back-to-back nights, knowing that you might, schedule be a scheduled loss I, I don't know it's uh, it's a question that uh, Rick Bonus and Jeff Reese who's the goalie coach there uh, are going to have to answer uh, but uh, it, it, interesting decision coming up for the Dallas Stars all right uh, we've gone longer in this show than we did in the previous one uh, but thanks everybody as always for listening for tuning in make sure you're subscribing make sure you're hitting Uh, The five-star reviews, especially on Apple, those things mean a lot. Don't forget the trivia question and the T-shirt from smackapparel.com. Don't forget uh, you can get $10 off a yearly subscription to my site, alightedinsider.com, if you use the code PODCAST in in checkout. Uh, That's PODCAST. Uh, And, of course, the Smack Apparel BOGO code, use 2020BOGO. It's buy one, get one free off their apparel. All right, Tampa Bay Lighting with a 2-1 series lead heading to Friday's Game 4. Get your sleep in because it's back-to-back nights, um, potentially looking at uh, a a very exciting potential weekend here for fans in Tampa Bay. So uh, get ready for it. It's going to come at you fast. We'll be back with another recap after Friday's game. Until then, thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Eric Rowlandson from LightningInsider.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.